Hi, I'm your guest host, Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is in Washington, D.C. for a meeting with its own nickname, the Three Amigos Summit. This is when Canada, the U.S., and Mexico get together and talk out North American relations. The first one was about 20 years ago when things were a little more friendly. But now, protectionism is on the rise. Trudeau will meet with U.S. President Joe Biden and Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador. And since Canada's parliament is resuming next week, Trudeau's going to want to have some wins to show from the meeting. Despite the fact that, you know, he and Biden, I think, are sort of aligned in kind of a big picture sense and, and I think get along, you know, quite well on a, on a personal level, Trudeau has not had much traction getting what he wants from Joe Biden on the sorts of things that, that Trudeau would see as victories. Adrian Morrow is the Globe and Mail's U.S. correspondent based in Washington. He'll tell us what Canada is looking for from the summit and just how much cooperation we can expect to see between the leaders. This is The Decibel. Adrian, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So leaders are, are meeting later today, and, and it's the first time a Three Amigos summit has been held since 2016. President Donald Trump was not a fan of these get-togethers. What do you think the tone will be at, at this one? I think certainly between Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau, the tone is going to be fairly friendly. I mean, you know, and and they appear to have pretty good sort of personal chemistry. Um, you know, we'll remember at the very end of, of 2016, one of Biden's last foreign trips, he came to Canada and he basically told Justin Trudeau, you know, you have to be kind of the leading light of the of the international liberal order, you know, in the kind of dark days of, of Donald Trump that were, were coming up at that point. The world's going to spend a lot of time looking to you, Mr. Prime Minister, as we see more and more challenges to the liberal international order than any time since the end of World War II. Let's just take a step back for a moment. Uh, Why is this North American summit important for these three leaders? This is basically going to be, number one, sort of a, a forum for, you know, them sort of building a rapport and trying to sort of reestablish, you know, a relationship. Number two, it's going to be an opportunity for Trudeau to sort of press Joe Biden on some of the kind of bilateral irritants in the two countries. So despite the fact that, you know, he and Biden, I think, are sort of aligned in kind of a big picture sense and, and I think get along, you know, quite well on a, on a personal level, Trudeau has not had much traction getting what he wants from Joe Biden on the sorts of things that, that Trudeau would see as victories. Interesting. Yeah. You mentioned the, the rapport between Trudeau and Biden. How important is the, the personal relationship between Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden to, to actually getting things done between Canada and the U.S.? I think it's particularly important in the case of somebody like Joe Biden, who's like a classic kind of extroverted retail politician, and one of whose kind of signature features of his personality is that he likes to kind of please everybody. And it it Mm -hmm. seems to sort of bother him when, especially people that are, are friendly or that are allies of his, if they're sort of unhappy, I think I think that actually does sort of bother Joe Biden. I think he sort of likes the idea of somehow managing to kind of please everybody. Okay, so let's talk about some of the issues that are likely to be discussed at today's meeting. What would you say are the the top three things that that Trudeau is is likely to bring up? 
So I'd say number one is this electric vehicle tax credit that Joe Biden is backing that would basically incentivize auto companies to build as much as possible of their new electric vehicles in the U.S. as opposed to building them in Canada or Mexico. Number two would be the Buy America provisions that are in the big infrastructure package that the U.S. Congress passed and, and Joe Biden just signed into law earlier this week. Number three is, is line five, this oil pipeline, Canadian-owned oil pipeline that goes through Michigan and across the Straits of Mackinac. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk about Buy American first, because that's a big one. What exactly is this policy? So it's sort of twofold. Uh, one is that Joe Biden um, earlier this year announced that he was going to make the Buy America thresholds uh, for federal government procurement um, higher than they are now. now. Most people don't know, no matter how informed they are, most people don't know that for literally a, almost a century, there's been a law on the books in America called the Buy America Act. It's supposed to make sure that when your government spends your tax dollars in buying goods, that they have to be goods that were built, purchased in America. But the previous administration didn't take it so seriously. And then in this $1.2 trillion infrastructure package that, that just went through this week, mandates that the spending on these new pieces of infrastructure um, should substantially go to American companies. And there's a whole bunch of sort of you know complicated rules around that. Now, federal government spending by the U.S. is covered by um, this WTO protocol that Canada and the U.S. and, and a bunch of European countries and other countries have signed um, that essentially, you know, gives Canada uh, an exemption from, from those kind of policies when it's direct spending by the federal government. However, the WTO policy doesn't cover um, spending by local governments and only covers some spending by state governments. And a lot of this infrastructure money is basically going to be put through um, state and local governments, will be given to them by the federal government. And so there's a, a huge potential for that to, to hurt Canadian companies. Mm -hmm. Exactly how real would you say are, are Canada's fears here? Like how much money uh, could Canadian companies stand to lose if Biden does go forward with this, uh, this Buy American agenda? Yeah, so unfortunately, the, the numbers are a little bit unclear. This isn't tracked particularly well. But there is one estimate from 2015 that said about $15 billion worth of procurement spending from U.S. governments, federal, state, and local, uh, went to Canadian companies. And out of that, about $674 million worth um, was from the federal government directly. There was another estimate from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that basically showed that because of you know previous rounds of protectionism, I think it was less than 2% of U.S. government spending actually went to Canadian companies. The idea that less than 2% of your government procurement spending is already going to these, um, to these Canadian companies, you know, gives you some idea that, that these previous rounds of protectionism actually have um, had the effect that U.S. governments have wanted them to have and have ensured that even Canadian companies are, are not really getting you know, a, a huge sort of piece of the pie. Now, of course, Trump took a protectionist stance on, on trade, and that's actually largely been continued under Biden. What's the political reasoning for that? Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of things. I mean, at its highest, you know, Buy America stuff is just always popular. I mean, it's always very popular to tell people in this country or probably in any country um, when we're spending government dollars, it's all going to go to people who live here, to companies that are based here, and it's not going to go to other countries. So another thing that motivates it is this desire, I think, by Biden and, and by other U.S. politicians to cut out, you know, China and Russia and other sort of, um, you know, unfriendly countries from U.S. spending. 
And I'd say that the sort of third factor is maybe the, the one that's sort of um, maybe more unique to, to Biden and to the Democrats, which is that, you know, the Democratic Party traditionally has been quite protectionist. Some of that comes from the kind of union culture. And then on top of that, you know, besides the sort of um, maybe traditional kind of blue collar Democrats and, and unions that favor these kind of protectionist trade policies, a lot of folks on the new left uh, kind of favor them too. You know, the Bernie Sanders and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, mm. you know, and, and people in, in that vein um, sort of favor this economic protectionism as well. Mm-hmm. So, Adrian, you also mentioned some electric vehicle tax credits as well that, that Biden has introduced. Can you tell us why Canada doesn't like those? We are a little bit concerned about the zero emission vehicle mandates uh, or rebates uh, brought forward in the current, uh, by the current uh, uh, proposal uh, in Congress right now uh, that uh, could have a real negative impact on the auto pack. But that's part of the conversations we're going to have today to make sure that people understand that uh, doing this together is good for all of us, good for the job. Yeah, so he's proposed an electric vehicle tax credit, and there's a, essentially a, another sort of um, Buy America type provision within the, the EV tax credits where you would only be eligible for to claim those tax credits as a consumer if you were buying an electric vehicle that was made in the U.S., you know, and given that there's this hope that electric vehicles are, you know, going to grow enormously in the future, that that's, you know, the future of, of automotive transportation, it could basically set the industry up in such a way that all the infrastructure that gets built for it um, and that ultimately gets used for decades to come gets put in the U.S., you know, and that, that Canada and Mexico are, are sort of cut out of those, you know, those opportunities. And so how might Trudeau try to convince Biden to actually ditch these credits? So Trudeau is going to point to the integrated economy. He's going to point to the fact that, you know, the auto industry between the three countries, you know, is, is so heavily integrated. You have parts made in, in each country that's sent to, you know, to other countries to be assembled. Um, you know, and you often have, have components of cars that will cross, you know, all three borders multiple times before they actually hit the road. He'll probably also point to the fact that Canada has all these these critical minerals um, that are used in EV batteries, you know, and other products that the U.S. needs, um, and that they'd much rather be sourcing them from Canada than than sourcing them from you know from China or from other countries that the U.S. you know is, is competing with. And I think this is an argument that Biden probably intrinsically understands, and so it's one that you know, that's you know very very likely to kind of land well with him. You know, Trudeau is going to say, you take all of that together. It's much better that you do everything possible to sort of allow Canada to kind of continue to benefit from what the U.S. is doing from the spending on on electric vehicles, because that's ultimately going to make the industry stronger, probably will ultimately make EVs cheaper and will get people to buy more of them than if you, you know, sort of impose these constraints that potentially make um, electric vehicles more expensive by ensuring that they're, you know, that they're manufactured, uh, you know, entirely in the U.S., Let's talk about the Line 5 pipeline, which the Canadian government wants, but Biden is not so enthusiastic about. So how likely is he to respond to any kind of, you know, lobbying from from Trudeau on this issue? The Democratic Party is increasingly, um, you know, concerned about climate change and, and increasingly sees pipelines as as one of the problems. The other component is that uh, the governor of Michigan, you know, Gretchen Whitmer, is an ally of, of Biden's, you know, is one of the people opposing the pipeline and is basically trying to shut it down. And so Biden, I think, has zero interest in kind of getting in between the governor of Michigan and, and one of her campaign promises. Mm, OK, so we've we've gone through what uh, what Canada wants out of this summit. But what does the U.S. actually want from us? 
The main thing right now, I think, would, would probably be making it easier to, to get across the border because, you know, Canada is, is one of the, the few countries in the world that still requires a, a PCR test basically to, to cross into the country rather than, the, you know, the rapid tests, which are, you know, cheaper and, and you know, more sort of readily available. You know, coming into the, into the U.S., um, you just require a rapid antigen test. Going into Canada, you require a PCR test, which is, you know, more expensive. Um, and then there's also sort of some other rules where the U.S. allows, if you're fully vaccinated, you can cross at the land border without having tested at all. And so I think the U.S. would like Canada to sort of lower those thresholds, basically move from a PCR test to an antigen test, and maybe basically in, in, you know, allow fully vaccinated Americans to cross the land border without testing at all. Just to clarify, this is a, a COVID-19 a test for COVID-19 to cross the border then, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So we've we've now spent all this time talking about Canada and, and the U.S., but of course, this is a three amigos summit and we can't forget about Mexico. Is there anything that Canada and, and Mexico may try to work out while at this meeting? You might see Canada and Mexico sort of team up on on the procurement stuff and on the protectionism with Biden because the situations are slightly different in the sense that Canada has signed this WTO agreement with with the U.S. and, and Mexico has not. Um, and so Mexico is sort of in a worse place than, than Canada. But they basically are in the same position where they're both parties to the USMCA with the U.S., which is meant to sort of um, ensure that that all this trade was flowing smoothly and that these kind of cross-border supply chains, you know, especially in the auto sector, but also in other sectors as well, that all of that was sort of open. And the USMCA, that's that's the new NAFTA deal, right? Yeah, that's right. So I think I think you will see alignment between Canada and Mexico in kind of making the, the very same argument, I think, to Biden that, look, it basically hurts the U.S. economy, it hurts U.S. companies, and it ultimately is going to make these projects more expensive by deciding that, you know, that you're going to to focus as much spending as possible in the U.S. and cut out, you know, Canadian and Mexican companies that are part of this, this integrated supply chain. Between the U.S. and Mexico, there's going to be a lot of discussion of the border. You know, Biden is kind of walking this fine line between, on one hand, not wanting to continue the, the clampdown of, of the Trump era um, because, you know, it's, it's inhumane and, and it's unpopular with, with people who vote for him, but at the same time, not wanting to be seen as, as being sort of soft on the border, which is, you know, an, an attack that Trump has been constantly making over the last year. So, Adrian, taking all of this together, what does a successful Three Amigos summit look like for, for Justin Trudeau and also for Canada? I think for Trudeau, the, the best that he could sort of hope for, I mean, I'm sure that, that in his, his wildest dreams, you know, Trudeau imagines that Biden would come out publicly and say, OK, I'm going to issue a proclamation that says, you know, Canadian companies are, are going to be exempt from all these kind of Buy America provisions and, and the EV tax credit will still apply if the vehicle is assembled in Canada or something, something along those lines. Highly unlikely Biden will do anything like that. More likely is that Biden will at least sort of commit to some sort of, um, you know, process where you know, their respective governments will will talk and negotiate and sort of figure out if there's a way that they can sort of write the regulations in the U.S. to ensure that Canada doesn't get cut out from, from any of this, this kind of procurement stuff. And then it would be a, a huge bonus if Biden, you know, also agreed to some sort of process that would, would allow, you know, Canadian companies basically to assemble, you know, vehicles that would qualify for the EV tax credit. Those are sort of maybe the two things where Trudeau could win victories. And, and I think the sort of two were it's most likely that he would. Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and speak about this. Great. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer. And Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks to Adrian Morrow. You can find him on Twitter at Adrian Morrow. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter at Manica RW. 
You can also email us at thedecibel at globeandmail.com. And if you haven't already, please follow The Decibel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.